The Phoenix Suns eked out a win over the Washington Wizards in somewhat of a must-win game, despite it being at home against a bad team. On today's episode of Locked on Suns, how they almost lost that game, why they won it, and what it all meant. Let's go. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team Every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen to start your week. Happy Monday to everybody. Happy Victory Monday to Suns fans who really needed one of those. If you're finding us for the first time, hit follow or subscribe wherever you're finding this show. We're free and available all over the place, including YouTube. So just hit that button, get a new show in your feed. Every single Monday through Friday, become an everydayer and get locked onto the Phoenix Suns right along with me each and every Monday through Friday, all season long. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use the code LockedOnNBA when you make your first deposit to get it matched up to $100. More on prize picks later in the show, but let's go ahead and kick things off. Brandon Duenas is here as he is every single Monday to recap this Suns win over the Washington Wizards, 112-108. to We're going to zoom in on the f- really like the last eight minutes of the game, I think. Uh, last eight or nine minutes, Brandon, to understand how they won this one. But I feel like we need to discuss your uh, your Twitter back and forth with with Yusuf Nurkic first because uh, that's really the moment of the game was Nurk being in the uh, on the timeline post game and deciding to to come after you. Yeah, yeah, I got I got ratioed by by Nurkic tonight. Um, it's fair. I mean, we're, we're not allowed to use a trade machine anymore, I guess, and to ask questions, but. Uh, yeah, he Maybe saw not mid-game. I mean, I, I think he might have a point. You posted him in a trade during a basketball game. That's that's pretty cruel. No, that's that's fair. That's fair. I definitely I brought it on myself. Um, but I stand by it. It's, it's, I think it's a fair trade. I think it's a fair question. And Nurkic can ratio me all all he wants. But um, you know, if the Suns win, I'll, I'll take it. So uh, appreciate what the he doesn't call. realize is uh, how much of a of an L that you actually took with the trade that you posted because Bull Bull was involved. And that's just you giving up on, on your dreams there. Exactly. So, you know, there's, there's layers to it and, and Nurk, he, he definitely got me. Um, but you know, I think it's funny, so I, I'm not too worried about it. I'm going to do a more thoughtful reply here in a second. Um, with a little meme of my own, just saying like, you know, Ooh, my mentions like need it. help. Like, you know, that brother needs help. That meme that he made. I'm just going to tell him, you know, help my mentions out a little bit here because I, you know, I don't deserve this. No, no, you don't. It's all right. He's, uh, he, he can hold the W for one night, but you know, notice probably not on Friday. So, you know, things, things balance out. The fans win some, the players win some, it is what it is, but let's get to the real moment of the game, which was the final stretch of the fourth quarter where I believe if you include the end of the third uh, the Suns pretty much doubled up the Wizards over the last like 15 mm. minutes of playing time in the game. But uh, to me, I think the the exact kind of stretch that I really 
look at as far as what I was taking notes on in real time, Brandon, was Booker hits a three at eight minutes and 49 seconds to cut the lead to one. The Suns get a big stop or maybe, yeah, I think it was after a big stop and Goodwin at around the seven and a half minute mark. They tied the game there actually is what happened. And he's pumping up the crowd. He's like finally kind of, you know, getting the getting the, the the noise going. And the crowd, to its credit, despite the first half, which we will get to, was very uh, in it at the end and supportive. They have not lost the, the Suns faithful yet. And then uh, at around the five-minute mark, Booker had a bad turnover, but dove for the loose ball. It ended up going off of a Wizards player, and the Suns retained possession. And at that point, they were starting to take control of it. And I just felt like those few moments were pretty symbolic. Goodwin doing that, book fighting for the loose ball of just what I think Suns fans wanted to see from this second half and really the whole game. But hey, like they got it taken care of by the end is fight and to play like they realized how ugly it had been this week. Yeah, and it's, this game is kind of the opposite of the entire season, right? Where the first three quarters they were they were dead and just getting beat up on, and you know the, the rest of the season they, those have been the quarters they've been winning for the most part. And the fourth quarter is usually when they collapse, and then all of a sudden they have this this monster fourth quarter and woke up, and it was very much needed. So I think, uh, like you said, the crowd came to life. I think uh, I've been seeing a lot of people getting on the crowd for not being as into it this year, and like honestly, they haven't had a lot to cheer about. So I think the more this team develops chemistry and gets like the good vibes going and the winds start coming. Like, I think the, the fans will be fine. The crowd noise will be fine. It's just a matter of, this has just been a very frustrating season to watch as a whole. And even this win was pretty frustrating to several degrees to where I was on trade machine, uh, putting packages together. So that just tells you what kind of game this was early on. And obviously the fourth quarter kind of saved the day and, and book turned it up a notch. I thought they locked in more defensively. And like you said, Goodwin had some huge plays and, you know, against his former team. So overall, definitely encouraging finish, and hopefully they could build off this momentum against Portland. So I believe the first quarter I had defensive breakdown written three times, four times. I think I had it four in the second quarter, five in the third quarter in my notes, only twice in the fourth quarter. So I think that that's absolutely something you saw them do also in the the final stretch of this game was at the very least communicate. Like there was a moment at around the three minute mark where they, uh, I believe, fouled Daniel Gafford on an and one, um, if I have that right. And Nurkic immediately tried to figure out with Book what went wrong. I believe Nurkic realized he had the wrong coverage, and then he's, like, on the free throw line at the block, lining up for the the Gafford free throw and, like, playing nonverbal, you know, communication with Vogel from across the court to figure out what, what went wrong. And it's like, okay, you don't want it to go wrong, but there were a lot of moments in the Nets and Knicks games where I feel like nobody even understood what the mistakes were because things were so broken on that side of the court so I even was like fine with how that looked and I think uh if they can at least play with effort and communicate and care on defense they're gonna get two three four more stops per game because that hasn't even been there the past couple 
Yeah, for sure. And I think that comes with just all the different rotations they've had and injuries and just mixing it up. Like the communication is going to be, uh, it looks like they're a step behind more often than not this season where we're so used to that team that's so connected and gelled and just, you know, knows each other like the back of their hands. So that's, that's just a different look where you're integrating an entire new system, all these new players, and we kind of beat that like a dead horse at this point. But I, I think uh, the longer this season goes along, they're going to get better at that. And that's, important to factor in like hopefully we can get a more consistent rotation without the musical chairs of injuries we've had but um i think a lot of it will just be getting used to each other's tendencies and, and communication styles and and uh vogel should specifically on the defensive side get that more organized as we get closer to uh the spring and summer because that's when it matters most so right now this is just trying to figure it out um as it goes it felt like the dunk from Durant, which I guess would be the final thing to hit in the fourth quarter. What He had missed a couple jumpers, and he had had a couple transition dunks earlier in the game. But it felt like that was almost a reward for the team because he was incredibly frustrated, and maybe the fans, he was incredibly frustrated in the first half with some of those defensive breakdowns and was visibly not not pleased with his teammates and, and, and talking with them about it. And Nasir Little at one point maybe nobody in particular at other points, just kind of to himself almost. And it felt like that dunk to me was like, thank God we just, we did it. Let me like drive to the basket in a way that in my mid thirties, I don't always do anymore to give like the team and this arena a big lift because good Lord, this game could have gotten out of hand. Yeah, a hundred percent. And honestly, like I also want to shout out, we already talked about it earlier, but I think Jordan Goodwin's intensity too, like that, that stuff rubs off. And that's where I think a Kogi, someone like a Kogi, not to get too off track here, but just his versatility defensively and energy was infectious. And at times him and Goodwin kind of get the spark going. Uh, same with little, I think a lot of that is going to help build like just the momentum for this team. And, and that goes on both ends too. So I think if, if they can, figure out a way to channel that. And mostly on the defensive side, I think if they can figure out ways to, to get stops and that that'll just snowball into those offensive avalanches. And that's where I think they've struggled the most this season. They're waiting for the shots to, to go down before they start picking up defensively um, on that side, like just intensity wise. So yeah, overall, I think just uh, trying to be more consistent with that is like the, my main takeaway from, from the win. And we saw how quick they can turn it up here and especially in that fourth quarter. All right, so there's the positives. They turned it around. But the first half of this game felt like, is this season about to spin out of control? Like, I think we just have to be reasonable and realistic there. So let's talk about how that all felt and what maybe was real and not real about that, judging from the fact that they did eventually win the game. We'll do that next. First, today's show brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks has come in. They have fixed daily fantasy sports. And you can play and take advantage of the fix. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from Prize Picks' Specials League. And what the Specials League is, is a combo of projections from players for players from two or more different sports or leagues. So I've used the comp the idea of Kyler Murray rushing touchdowns plus Devin Booker threes if you want to go fully local. Prize picks has LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of threes made in receptions. Point is, you can mix and match, and that makes it even better. But what also makes Price Picks better is their reboot policy for players who might get hurt. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, simple 
gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types, all making prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA to play or use the code locked on NBA when you make your first deposit to get it matched up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA or promo code locked on NBA when you make your first deposit to get it matched up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, Brandon, let's keep it rolling. You had a, a tweet, I feel like, in uh, the early part of the game about the body language. I've been in the building at all four of the home games this week, and I feel like it got progressively worse up until maybe that end of the third quarter in this game. I uh, I, I will say that there was a, a an agglomeration of media members with our uh, I was having a, a macaroon that was provided by Mr. Ishbia, and uh, you know we were all eating our stuff, and it was uh, there was some some words exchanged about how bad is this about to get, and and credit to the Suns, they picked it up, they turned it around, everybody's spirits were much much better post game. That's what happens when you win and and prove it to yourself and your fans, but uh, that doesn't change the fact that they allowed it to get that low. What do you feel like has been going on this week that? even with Beal out there at times, was just deflating. Yeah, that, that was the worst body language I've seen this this season. And that's I feel like that's saying a lot, too, because it's not like this is like something new. It just seems like you could visibly see them kind of wearing their frustration and like, you know, slouching their shoulders, just doing like stuff like that whenever they should be, you know, hustling back to get back on defense or, or make a play. And we saw them, like I said, uh, Goodwin and then Booker as well in the fourth when he dove for a couple loose balls and really looked more locked in. Like that's that's a type of energy we need in, instead of the complaining, the slouching, stuff like that. And I think it's easy for that in the NBA for it to snowball when you're in a, in a rough patch. And, uh, you know, obviously Beal coming back for, for a game and that was the second of a back-to-back. That's the only chance we really got to see of them other than those like first few minutes the other night. So I think losing him the way they did immediately after probably also uh, – factored into that snowballing to like what we saw tonight in terms of just kind of low energy and almost like, you know, they thought they were just going to walk in and, and beat the wizard just by showing up because that's how bad they are. And uh, they kind of did in the fourth quarter in, in a way, but at the same time, those first three mm-hmm. quarters just looked uh, completely lifeless. And, and, you know, it's just, uh, it can't happen. It's going to happen. It is, it is NBA, but you can't let your opponent know that you're, you're as down on your, yourself as you are. Yeah, it's it's going to be something to continue to watch. I mean, I, I obviously you want to celebrate the win and they needed it. Um, but this year in the NBA, there's not a lot of teams you just walk in and beat. I mean, that that's also part of this. And I feel like, you know, whether it's the Jazz or, or this team or the Nets who are, you know, pretty much have the same record as the Suns, but also were playing a lot better when they came in here on, on a second night of a back to back like that's not going to be there's no going to there's not going to be any easy wins but also I think what we saw you have to monitor it and worry about it because losing to the Knicks and, and having Beals spraying his ankle like that's not even a- adversity the grand scheme of of like sports and the NBA like this team's going to want to you know win road playoff games and maybe do that shorthanded or, or whatever and it's going to get harder. It's not going to get easier. So I think the fact that there was visible frustration and miscommunication and lack of effort 
Like, you know, I saw fans on Twitter today saying they weren't watching this game. I saw, you know, we heard boos in the first quarter in the arena. The fan base is, I think, running out of patience with how talented this team is versus how low the spirits have gotten at times. Um, so it was good to see the win, but that also doesn't just get flushed away, just like the you know on-court stuff doesn't just get flushed away. So we'll have to see. But uh, one thing I liked, because I did a whole 35-minute episode on Saturday kind of venting and saying a lot of what I just said before, um, I like that they just stuck with the rotation today. Because I feel like that goes a long way to the point you were making about the defense and the inconsistency being partially personnel-based. It's like, who's playing? Let them build habits. Let them make mistakes. And I feel like Vogel tried to do that tonight and and brought guys back out there after bad stints and just yeah. weathered the storm. And it paid off. Like They got it figured out, and the guys that were playing got the job done. I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah, that's, that's a great point because I think just building rhythm, uh, chemistry and connection, it takes, you, you can't just be there and like out in short stints and not know what your, the rest of your night's going to look like. I feel like having that steady rotation where it's like, this is what's going to happen. This is, what you're going to play with, we're, we're going to stick with you. Um, that goes a long way with building confidence, I think, and just letting, allowing players to kind of settle into that, uh, especially role players, just um, into the role that they're, they're meant to be in. And it, it's so tough to just come in for like, you know, four minutes and then sit out and then come back, you know, two quarters later and play like five minutes. And then that's, that's it for the entire game. And you have like three of those guys, uh, especially on the wings, just kind of sharing those minutes. I'd rather just give it all to one wing and just let kind of ride that and and let them develop that, that rhythm. So I think uh, Vogel did a great job with the rotation tonight in terms of, even though, you know, they had the the pretty rough three quarters, like I'm, I'm glad he stuck with it and just, uh, didn't waver and just said, you know, you guys just have to make the shift yourself. Yeah, I think to be maybe even more specific about who I'm having in mind when I say that, um, I thought Grayson Allen's defense the first three quarters was maybe one of his worst games of the season. Um, a lot of the threes that Tyus Jones got off and some of that stuff and just switch discipline and communication and all those sorts of things. Uh, he made a lot of mistakes. But I thought in the fourth quarter, he stepped it up. He had a, a nice possession containing a drive, I believe it was, by Tyus Jones. Um, or maybe it was contesting a three. Either way, he had a kind of a stop against Jones that felt like he was hearing the the, the fixes. Um, I thought the centers both played maybe their, first, their worst halves of the season in the first half. Like just the whole center rotation was a big negative. And I think both of them made positive plays in the second half. I feel like Eubanks, he had that bad turnover where he threw it out of bounds. And then it's like, hey, I got to do something, you know. So he had another big block. He's great. The timing is always elite on those. Uh, but he scored. He had 12 points. Like, okay, you're making some sort of impact. Um, and then Nurkic, obviously, on the glass and had a little bit more resistance at the rim. Blocked Gafford a couple times, or I guess it only was once. Um, those are the kinds of things where it's like you can see it tangibly and it was good that those guys, it wasn't just Book and Katie save the day, I guess, is my point. Yeah, yeah I thought Nergic did a great job on the boards. Um, and obviously, he's getting pulled out a lot defensively, just trying to help cover up some of these uh, deficiencies that the Suns have defensively, where they're 
you know, guards are getting blown by and he's, and it just puts him in some very tough spots. And that leads to a lot of these wide open threes that we saw Jalen Brunson and uh, Tyus Jones tonight, just go off on a tear. So like, you just can't give up that many clean looks. And I think defensively uh, the rotations, once they, they can kind of get a little more consistent with their defensive philosophy and their rotation, like that's, that'll come naturally. It's just, um, it's just, just come it's just going to come with time that's really the only way to put it at this point it, it's frustrating because it's been like this all season it feels like but uh the, the wide open threes that's kind of the product of just you know building chemistry on the defensive side because everyone thinks about chemistry and they the first thing they think of is offense but uh, i think defensively that's it's it's probably more important in a way just so everyone's on the same page because when you don't have the personnel like because the suns do not have the personnel to be an elite defensive team but i think they're smart enough to where they could hold their own. Uh, I don't think they're as bad as they have been either at times this season. So I think it's just trying to figure out what their true identity is. And that's just what this entire season has really been. Absolutely. And I think, you know, to the point mentality wise, where I said, it's going to get harder, not easier. I think defensively, like the execution they're they're going to have to concoct game plans and schemes that are more complicated than what they're, not executing right now you know what I mean because I agree with you on the personnel side of things so you know these types of multiple ball handler teams and kind of spaced teams are going to pose trouble for them because they don't have great one-on-one stopper type of defenders so that means if you get to a playoff situation where you're really trying to game plan for your opponent it's going to get more complicated to try to stop them by having you know switching between different coverages possession to possession and you know, flooding one side of the court or forcing guys one direction or the other. If you can't, you know, if you're allowing open shots off of switches because you're just not doing what the coach is saying or, or doing it hard enough, forcefully enough, like that's so far away from where they are. So yeah, chemistry on the defensive end is absolutely going to be huge and we'll have to see how it improves over the course of the season. Let's talk about the rotation a little bit more. What lineups did we like? Did we not like? Where do we see it going from here as well as I think we think we might have to do another NERC report here and a box score oddity. So we'll get to all that after a break. First, today's show brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot at FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets. With any winning $5 money line bet, that's $150 straight to your account if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more once you, of course, win that money line and get your bonus dollars. Let's look at Monday night in the NBA. You know the deal. Bet on a huge favorite on the money line. Get your bonus bets and then get to work. The Raptors are minus 650 hosting the Hornets. The Sixers are minus 560 hosting the Bulls. The Hawks are minus 550 hosting the atrocious Detroit Pistons. So there's a sampling for you. Then again, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more to spread that money out once you get it. Visit FanDuel.com slash on to celebrate the NFL and NBA seasons. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Let's close out the show. Let's just start with the box score oddity because it's what Durant was talking about. And uh, he always tends to talk about this, about how teams can just either beat you or get back into the game 
with three-point shots. And yes, the Wizards made twice as many, Brandon, but the other part of this is the Suns during this stretch have not been a high three-point attempt team. And I feel like, to me, where my mind goes with that is that it speaks to them not playing fast enough because that slowness is kind of forcing them into isolations and kind of one one action sets in the pick and roll where their stars just end up having to take tough shots. Whereas if they play fast, I think the threes could go up. But what do you think? No, I think that's a great call. I think the pace is a huge factor because that's where a lot of those pull-up threes from Book or just Katie, like, uh, you know, beating the defense down to the corner of the wing, getting an open three, like, he only made, he didn't make any threes tonight. Uh, he was over two and the Suns only made seven total and Washington doubled their threes with 14. So that's, uh, you know, seven for 31 is pretty, pretty rough um, overall. But I think a lot of it too, is their offense, whenever it gets kind of stagnant or they're a little too predictable with trying to get Durant or Booker the ball in the wing, or just, you know, somewhere just on that elbow um, for, for an ISO that that's where those, it could be tough to generate a three off of that. Um, unless you could really whip the ball around quick when a double comes or something like that. And I thought they had some pretty good looks tonight. They just, they missed some corner threes and a couple on the wing too, that um, came off good ball movement, but sometimes the shots just aren't falling. But, but overall, I think uh, it's definitely, it's going to be tough them when games shoot like connecting on seven threes and uh, Durant not hitting any. Yeah. The Durant part of it is it's, it feels like it's kind of up to him. Like, it feels like you can kind of watch him the more that we get to see him night to night. And it feels like he almost makes the decision of, of how many threes he's going to take, regardless of ball movement or what the defense is giving up. I'm not saying he's going to turn down an open, wide open three in rhythm, but if he's not getting those and he's going to take a contested three or maybe try to take something more interior, it feels like it's sort of just whatever he's feeling in that moment it's not really like a a big rhyme or reason to it and it felt like tonight he kind of wanted to get a work for a better shot maybe and and it worked I mean he wasn't quite as efficient as he normally is but he still had five assists two turnovers and was close to 50 percent from the field if he hadn't missed those couple of of jumpers late I think he would have been so yeah it's interesting it's going to be just another thing to kind of monitor as this team tries to work its way through the season because there's been games where they've had huge numbers and then there's been games like this where it's a little lower um what about lineups one question that i had coming off this game or maybe not this one because eubanks bounced back a little bit but do you think when we get to bigger games or playoff time that we're just going to see the suns go to small ball even more and and like games where the centers might not even either one of them get past like 25 minutes or I know we've talked about a a big man addition to the team but maybe in a world where that doesn't happen because this was another opponent where Muscala and Gallinari are kind of their backup fives who aren't really like centers you have to worry about do you think in a playoff situation it just that's just KD minutes at center it's really tough to tell. Uh, I think matchups are definitely going to be the deciding factor. Like the rebounding issues themselves kind of instill some doubt on that end alone, just because yeah. I don't feel like this team just can't grab a rebound even with the center and, and uh, you know, taking Nurkic out or Eubanks really 
uh, makes it difficult. But offensively, uh, there's on the flip side, I think um, it, it definitely opens up some dynamic lineups that they could throw out there and in the versatility. Like in that, in that Nets game specifically, I think we saw like what um, some sneak peeks of what those small ball lineups could look like. But uh, and it wasn't too inspiring, to be honest. So I, I, I don't know. At, at this point, I think uh, we, we could see some, but it's, I still think they need to add another big. Um, Eubanks had a great uh, third quarter. I thought, you know, his, his energy there in the second half was, was uh, very much needed. But at the same time, is he someone you can rely on uh, come playoff time? I'm not sure yet. Uh, and, and Nurkic with the foul trouble issues, like uh, he had five tonight. Like it's that's another storyline with him. Like come playoff time, teams are going to attack him. And if he's in early foul trouble, then you're pretty much stuck with just Eubanks as your only fallback and that's that's definitely where i think we could see some durant after five minutes uh if they happen to not add another center which i think would be a mistake but uh i think basically long story short they they need another body just they need six more fouls that's the best way to put it just because come playoff time uh you never know what's gonna get thrown at you or what's gonna happen that was kind of a, a nurk and a bench mob vibe check kind of combined into one so that's all that i had did you have any other lingering thoughts on this game as the Suns survive and live to see another day before the fan base burned down the footprint center? Uh, nothing, nothing too crazy at this point. I think just taking care of business against Portland, just these are, these are two games that if they lost either of them, like I think Suns Twitter would explode and uh, it's not, I mean, it already kind of has in, in a way, but these, these are the games you just have to win. It doesn't matter injuries can't be factored in there can't be any excuses like you have to beat these teams and in the process uh use them use these games to build confidence for uh to springboard onto that next patch of your schedule um so yeah at this point i think you know they're gonna have a couple uh tough ones coming up after that at sacramento on uh you know next friday and then you got first dallas christmas day so christmas uh, man. those are a couple of uh, game. yeah those are some some tough games so you got to take care of business against Portland. Make sure uh, you're, you're hunting those two games with a little more confidence. So that's that's really all it is at this point. Yeah, Portland's frisky too. You know, like I said earlier, there's no easy real wins outside of San Antonio and Detroit. And San Antonio beat the Suns twice already this year. So um, that team, when it's healthy, they can defend at the point of attack really well. They can force turnovers. And when Aiton plays uh, hard, you know, they can really put up a, a fight on defense. So uh, they will not be... A walkover team either so yeah you gotta you gotta just take uh, take advantage of the cushy parts of the schedule when they present themselves to you the homestand after uh the christmas game has charlotte and some other teams that are beatable too so you know that's kind of that has to be the approach maybe you don't beat the mavs but you gotta win the ones that you should win and this was an example of that so that will wrap us up for the day i'll be back tomorrow with more as we get ready for that Suns Blazers game. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Read Brandon's writing over at Bright Side of the Sun, and we will catch you guys next time.